Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. We the people believe these truths. God is the creator of everything. Yes, everything. Earth and sky. What is below and what is beyond. All that we see moving. And even those things we don't see. God created it all. And we believe that God created humans. All of us. And we are all created equal in the sight of God. We believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and was born of a virgin. We believe that He suffered under Pontius Pilate and was crucified, died, and was burned. But we believe that was not the end. We believe He rose again, and when He did, He ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. We believe that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And we believe that there is forgiveness for our sins through Jesus. We believe that he has called each of us to live a life worthy of his name, a life of sacrifice. What is this life? It's a life of love and truth and grace. A life that speaks by actions as much as words. A life that is marked by His life. And we believe that God is here with us now. Because we are His church. And this is our creed. of the creed it's a sermon series kind of based on the apostles creed as a matter of fact what i'd like you to do if you look in your bulletin you're going to find a copy of the apostles creed uh for those of you just go ahead and grab or sit next to somebody that's got one of those the apostles creed is a a creed that was established hundreds and hundreds of years ago it's derivative of the nicene creed we talked a little bit about that last week uh, it's hundreds of years old, and every mainstream uh, Protestant Catholic denomination has its roots in the Apostles' Creed. So what I want you to do today is just read it with me. Just read the Apostles' Creed with me. It says, I believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. So today, um, I want to remind you of something we said last week. We don't believe in a creed. We believe on a person. And you're going to hear me say that every week. Because I don't want you to think that this is what we believe in. What we believe on is Jesus Christ. A creed is simply something that verbalizes the truths revealed to us by the Holy Spirit and confirmed in Scripture. And the passage that we're going to read each week is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I want you to read along with me. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people 
to do every good work. Heavenly Father, we're in need of you this morning. God, we desire that you would teach us your will and purpose and plan for our lives through your scripture. God, we pray that over the next few moments you would impart to us your word. And God, you would teach us every good thing in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. So here we go. Uh, last week, just a real quick review. We, last, last week was what we believe about God. I told you basically three things. Number one, God is all-powerful. Aren't you thankful for God being all-powerful? That the only thing he can't do is act outside of his character. We said that God was all-knowing, that he possessed knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Knowledge is, does God know? The answer is yes. Does God know about? Yes. Did he know I was going to do before I did it? Yes. Does God know? Yes. That's knowledge. Wisdom is knowing what to do with the knowledge. It's a plan. And understanding is sympathetic awareness. So here's what we know about God. He knows, he understands, and he has a plan. Hey, that, can we just stop right there just for a minute? He knows, he understands, he's got a plan. That's good news, isn't it? And then we said that God was in all places. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is in all places. So when you get to your tomorrow, understand he's already been there. He's already prepared the way for you. So last week was what we believe about God. This week is what we believe about the church. I'm going to tell you what I told our, our worship team. Preparing a message about the church for me would be, if you're here and you've got grandchildren, let me see your hand. Would you have to prepare a message about your grandchildren? No, because it's near and de- they're near and dear to your heart. That's the way the church is to me. It's something that I, I'm passionate about and I believe about. And, and so here's what's going to happen today. I'm just going to just, just kind of lay it out there for you. Um, I read a lot of uh, communicators' writings, and, and, I, and I pay attention to all the rules they say that preachers in 2016 are supposed to follow Uh, about being offensive and social issues. I'm going to break every one of those rules today. Now you're nervous. Um, So I just just need to share that right at the onset. What we believe about the church. We read, I believe in the holy Catholic church, the communion of saints. Um, Anybody trip over the word Catholic when we read that? All right, let me tell you. The Apostles' Creed didn't get the word Catholic from the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church got the word Catholic from the Apostles' Creed. What it, gen- what it literally means is the universal church, that, that the, the global church of Christ. You with me? It's not, you know, we're, you don't, we're not going to set up confession booths over on the side. The Catholic Church got the word Catholic from the Creed, not the other way around. Uh, so what do we believe about the church? What is it about the church that is so important? I want to start by saying this one thing. Listen, there is one church. There is one church. There is one church. Dwayne, I, I passed 15 churches on Highway 81 by itself. How many know that we're, we're branches on a tree? And if the root is Christ, you, you with me? Now, not every root is Christ. If the root is Christ, there's one church. Now, we, we may look different. We may act different. We may behave different. We, we may quarrel about certain things. But listen, when the trumpet sounds, there's only going to be one trumpet. It's not going to be a Baptist trumpet and a Methodist trumpet. If it's, you know, Pentecostal, it'll probably be a guitar. I don't know. There's one church. There's going to be one trumpet. There's going to be one body that leaves. You with me? All right. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We, there is one church. The church is the body of Christ. That is certainly not the first time you've heard that, that the church is the body of Christ. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to... I want you to think about that literally. Because here's the way it's supposed to work. When we surrender our lives to Christ, He places us in the body. And each of us, how cool is it that the God of the universe, when He left, left a body. 
that he's asked me and you, broken people, flawed people, to be his eyes and ears and hands and feet. We are his body, his voice to the world. We are his body. That's why I have such a hard time, y'all listen. And this is probably going to offend somebody, and I get it, but I have a hard time when people say, I love God, I just don't love the church. I have a hard time with that. And I get it because I've talked to people, person after person after person, who's been hurt by the church. I get what you're saying. But listen to me, as broken and as flawed as it is, it's the church, the body of Christ. And I can't love God if I don't love His body. See, I've, I've heard all of the arguments. Well, I'm not going to church because it's full of hypocrites. Well, l- let me help you with that. See, if, if that means that I'm not going to church because it's full of people who at times act in a way that's different from what they believe, you'll fit right in. Uh, let's prove it. How many of you here have at one time or another, maybe even recently, acted in a way that was contrary to what you believed. I don't apologize for this this church being full of imperfect, broken people because that's why he came. See, the problem is, is when we try to display to the world that we got all our stuff together and you need to come be like us, that's exactly the wrong message and that's why people have run away from the church. The message is, hey... We are broken, imperfect, and that's why he came. Come find him with us. Yes. Full of hypocrites. Sure. Call it what you want to. We're broken. You'll fit right in. I've heard this one. I'd come, but it's just, church is just boring. Well, you've been to the wrong church. It's not boring here. But I will tell you this, and, and see, you're probably not going to like this either. When we're planning our service, the idea of you being entertained is not in the mix. It is not our goal to entertain you. Even though there will so- something will happen every Sunday that causes you to laugh, causes you to smile, that, inter- that is entertaining, but that's not our goal to entertain you. And if that's what you're looking for when you walk in the building, is an, you know, you've got 197 channels on your 64-inch plasma flat screen at home to get in. That's not why we're here. That's not why we're gathered here. I, I want you to enjoy church, and I want you to, I, I want you to uh, enjoy your experience while you're here. But listen, I, I've learned a long time, long time ago, if you just want to laugh, if you just want to like good music, you can find... Funnier people and better music somewhere else. That's not our goal to entertain you. And if that's what you're looking for, you're probably going to leave disappointed. But I'll tell you this. You know what I've learned? Is that when you walk in those doors, when I walk in those doors, it's a, a transaction takes place. And if I walk into those doors and I'm willing to make an investment into what I'm walking into, chances are I'll get a return on that investment. But if I walk in those doors going, well, I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just going through the motions. I, I got nothing to give. Here, guess what? You're probably going to leave with nothing. Well, they didn't sing the song I like. Well, bully for you. I don't want you to be, I, I, I don't, it's not my motive that you are entertained. Here's what my motive is. I want you to come in here and be challenged. I want you to come in here and be, listen, you don't like this either. I want you to come in here and be convicted. If you walk into this room and you've got stuff in your life that doesn't belong, I want the Holy Spirit to get in your business. And I, listen, I don't apologize for that. I want you to be challenged. I want you to be con- uh, convicted. I want you to be confronted. How many know that the gospel is confrontational? What have you done with Jesus? Who do you say that I am? I want you to be confronted. And if you're entertained in that process, so be it. But our goal is not... All right. Can I get off my soapbox now? The music's too loud. The preaching's too long. Stop! Stop. You know why? Because I've been to University of Georgia football games. 
It's loud. And when it goes into overtime, guess what? Everybody's cheering. Ah, <laughs> uh, the church just wants my money. Are you serious? You know, my wife has a, has a word that she says all the time, especially to me when I get goofy. She says, seriously? That's what I want to say, seriously? So you got so much money that you've impressed God. Now listen to me. I don't apologize for teaching biblical tithe and a biblical offering. You need to do that. And listen, you're not doing that for my benefit. You're doing it for yours. Obedience in your walk with Christ in your area of finances blesses you. Now, does does God take that and, and use it and multiply it? Absolutely, he does. But at the end of the day, God doesn't need anything we've got. He's God. He can speak whatever he needs into existence. All right. Here's what the Bible says about the church. 1 Corinthians 12 and 27. Now all of you together are Christ's body. All of you, what's the other word? All of you, I, I, need, I need you to say that. All of you together. together are Christ's body. Each of you is a separate and necessary part of it. Let me tell you what that means. It means I need you. That it matters when you're here. It matters when you're not. I need you. You need me. We need each other. That's how the church works. Well, the way I don't really do anything. Listen, that's the lie we've told people, is that your, your value to the church is in what you do. Now, I want you to serve, and I want you to get involved, and I want you to volunteer, but your value to the church is not in what you do. It's your presence and your connection with us as a family. And all these churches up and down the road, we need them too. They need us. We are on the same team. My enemy is not the Baptist church down the road. My enemy is the devil. Man, I saw, I saw something this past week that broke my heart. Uh, maybe you saw it on the news. It was a, there was a sting in Knoxville, Tennessee. They arrested 32 men in a human sex trafficking and prostitution ring. Two of those men were pastors. One of those men was a children's pastor. Now, now here's the deal. Now, listen to me. I'm, I don't know the circumstances. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know. I'm not here to place judgment on anybody that was. But here's what I know. I know what that does to the community that watches us. And, and every time something like that happens, it bec- the, the world trusts us less and less and less. The world trusts us with their children less and less and less. We need each other. The body of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. That we're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises. Listen, this church is not brick and mortar. This church is in those of us that are sucking oxygen in this room today. And those of us that are attached to our church that aren't here this morning. Those of us that will become part of our church. That's who the church is. It's not this building. It's not these lights and sound and speakers. It's you. And you're becoming, what the Bible says, a, a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him... You two are being built together to become. I love that word become. Aren't you glad? Any finished products in this room? And you're done and, and you're, you know. No. We are becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to give you three things that we believe about the church. Three truths about the church. The first, we're going to give you three. I'm going to go ahead and give them all three. We're going to talk about the purpose of the church, the power of of the church and the priority of the church. Here it is, the purpose of the church. Acts chapter 2 verses uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Let me tell you, when this passage was written, the church was newborn. Literally, if you read Acts chapter 2, the church is born at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 and this is written at the end. So the church is still at a brand new baby infant, and, and God gives us a job description for the church in this one little phrase. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. The first thing he gave us, if you're taking notes, write this down, instruction. The purpose of the church 
instruction. We don't like it, but it's true. We gather here as the body of Christ to learn about who God is and the way he does things. We open this book. Listen, and I've said this in our members class. I've said it from the pulpit many, many times. Here's our goal. We don't want a Bible-based church. We want a Bible-saturated church. If, if we... If we teach, we want it to be from God's word. You didn't come here to hear my opinion. You didn't come here to hear my particular slant on how the world works. Because chances are, if you get that from me, it'll be incorrect. Because I'm a messed up man. But if I can give you this book, if we can open the bread of life and learn from it together, guess what? It'll change our life. It'll change our eternity. We're here today to be instructed in the word of God. First one is, the first purpose is instruction. The second is fellowship. How many grew up in a, grew up in the church? How many grew up in either a Pentecostal church or a Southern Baptist church? Then in, in our world, fellowship means fried chicken. Am I right? That's really not what it's about. It's okay though. I'm not telling you fried chicken is wrong. It's just not all the fellowship is. We used to talk about the Greek word for fellowship a lot, and maybe we need to start talking about it some more. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. And it's a beautiful word that simply means this, a common unity. It's when the believers of the early church gathered together for this purpose, to walk this Christ life together. See, this is what, now listen, there, there are folks who cannot come to church because they're infirm or, or they're, they're sick and they can't get here. And, and so I'm very thankful for the technology that we have available to us today to be able to get solid teaching online and on television and those types of things. But beyond the instruction that we receive when we're here, one of the most beautiful parts is when we just gather together Lock our arms and do this life together. Can I prove it to you? Um, If you're not coming on Wednesday nights, you should come. Now, Wednesday nights, I have this strict goal. I'm done at 8 o'clock. I'm completely done. Now, Mikey and and those guys over there, sometimes they're they're going longer, but the adult group is done at 8 o'clock. And here's the funny thing, because I started doing that because I wanted to be respectful of people's times and we had to get home got to go to work the next day blah 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 and it never fails i'll say okay guys we're done and nobody moves everybody sits right where they're at nobody moves and they'll break off into little groups and start talking and i'll walk over to the other building and check on mike and those guys and i'll come back and they're still here you know why because we need that connection we need that fellowship we need that koinonia it'll happen today too We'll, we'll say our last amen, and you guys will, where are you going? I don't know where you're going. What's to eat? I don't know. Let's go Mexican. Oh, I don't want Mexican. You know, we'll just gather together. And listen, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Instruction, fellowship. And he said, the breaking of bread. And what they're specifically talking about is the Lord's Supper or communion. Now, communion to the early church didn't happen on special days. We're going to be receiving, we're going to be partaking of communion here in just a few minutes. But in those days, it wasn't, they didn't have special little crackers and little bitty cups of of grape juice. Every time they ate a meal, they remembered the life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so when they said, we're breaking bread together, it was literally telling us that they were consumed with the Jesus life, consumed with the idea that Jesus came, that he lived, that he died, and that he's coming again. That means that in our church, the priority, the the purpose of our church is that Jesus is central to everything we do. His teaching is the bedrock of everything we do. It's all about Jesus, his life, his death. His burial, His resurrection, what He taught, who He was, how He behaved, His model for us in this world. It's about Jesus. That's the purpose of the church. Instruction, fellowship, communion, and prayer. I've said this many times. Before this is a house of preaching, 
before this is a house of worship, it must be a house of prayer. That's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church. Let's talk about the power of the church. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, new, um, says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Here's what you need to understand. And I think most of you do. In the last 2,000 years, the church has cared for the sick, cared for the needy, parented the orphan, fed the hungry, clothed the naked. The church has done an amazing work all across this globe, all across this world, and is continuing to do just that. By that word power, here's what I really mean. I mean influence. Power is influence. All right, now I'm going to go somewhere that's going to make us all a little uncomfortable, but it's just true, okay? 70.6% of the United States population identifies themselves as Christian. 70.6. Now, that's, that, that's simply a poll. That do, you, do you identify yourself as Christian? You know, and there's fill in the blank, you know, multiple choice. 70.6% of the United States population identified themselves as Christian. 0.3% of the American population identified themselves as transgender. So I'm just going to ask you one question, and we're going to go on. Who has more influence today? We're just going to let that soak for just a minute, and then we're going to talk about why. Can I tell you what I believe? I believe that we're fighting with the wrong weapon. Here's what 2 Corinthians tells us in chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. What kind of power? So divine power is from God. Okay. To demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I want to read just a portion of that from the New Living Translation. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, especially in recent times, have had a conversation about some of the things that's going on in our world and our culture and said, how did we get here? Or this, this has been my favorite one. Why are we even having this conversation? Does it seem oddly strange to you that we're having to discuss which bathroom to go to? Does it seem strange to you in any way, shape, form, or fashion? Because if you remove the bedrock of Christ from the idea of human reasoning, we go crazy on our own. Now, now, let me stop again. Hey, if you're here or you're listening to this by podcast and you struggle with your identity as who you are, we love you. This is not about Christian people hating people who aren't like us. And that's what the media wants you to believe. That's not the case at all. At all. In fact, listen to me. And this is probably really going down a path I shouldn't go down. If, if Jesus were walking this planet today, you know who he'd hang out with? He'd hang out with people who were struggling. He'd hang out with people who were confused about who they were. He'd hang out with people who were broken and hurting and lonely. And so this is not about... And see, this is what, this is what our culture's done. It's taking, it's taking it and, and turned it into hate. And it's not hate. But here's what I... Here's what I'm afraid we've done, is we've, we've started fighting a battle we don't need to fight. Target is not your enemy. How about this? How about we just understand that the world's going to do what the world's going to do? Why don't we concentrate on being the church? Because here's what I believe. 
I believe if the church concentrates on being the church. Now, listen to me. I get it, and I do the same thing. You get ticked off, and you want to make some rant on social media about how you're never going to shop at Target again. Well, you will as soon as Christmas comes around, and they got some toy on sale that your kid wants. Let's stop all that. You know, does it infuriate me? Absolutely. But listen, as Christian people, we can't freak out every time unbelievers act like unbelievers. So let's, let's do what Jesus said. Instead of pointing out the speck, that's a pretty big speck, by the way. How about let's worry about the log in our own eye? Before we're so concerned about the targets of the world and, and, and politicians that have done just weird things, weird things. How about let's look in the mirror? How about let's be the church? How about let's, before we fuss about Target's morality, how about we clean up our own house? Before we worry about some principality removing the Ten Commandments from their lawn, how about we start living by them in our own house? Now, I'm not telling you not to be socially active. And if something fires you up, I get it. I'm not telling you to, to, to not do that. I'm telling you before you gripe at Target, how about you pray for revival in our country? In fact, I'm going to ask you a question. At, at the beginning, the first Sunday of May, I asked you to pray for revival in our country, in our community, in our church. And I wonder, have you spent more time doing that or more time fussing about what's going on in our world? Have you spent more time praying for revival than you have fussing about what Target has done and, and what the... What, yeah, what Obama did last week, I'm not supposed to say this. I'm saying it anyway. I don't care. I've gone too far now. <laughs> when, he, when he presented that mandate to our public schools, was that stupid? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not supposed to say stupid. <laughs> it was stupid. And now there's this war back and forth between, and here's what I'm telling you. How about we use the divine power giving us? When Jesus imparted to, it, to the church the Holy Spirit, how about let's get on our knees? How about you push a meal aside and fast and pray for revival in our country? Fast and pray for revival in our community. Fast and pray for those leaders that you're fussing about time after time. Why don't you push aside a meal? Get on your face before God. See, the answer is not a boycott of Target. The answer is if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear their land. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen, I'm not telling you not to be socially active. I'm not telling you when you see injustice in the world not to stand up for it because you should. You should let your voice be heard. I'm not telling you otherwise. But, but, but here's, here's what I'm, I'm, I'm pleading to you. To avail the power that's been given you. See, here's the myth that we've bought. That, that we're, the, we're the persecuted church in our nation. I want you to listen to me. I, I've read a little bit about persecution, and you, you haven't experienced it, and neither have I. Anybody been boiled in oil? Anybody been hung on a cross upside down? Let me tell you what the church is. It's the body of Christ, and it's alive and well. And you need to avail yourself of the power that God has given you. And fall on your face. Ask God for revival. If 70.6% of our nation were to fall on our face asking God for revival, how could God not shake the foundations of this country? I read this passage to you last week. And I probably skipped over a part that I, we need to pay attention to. So I want you to listen. Now to him, this is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work. Where? To him who is able to do immeasurably more 
than we can ask or even imagine. All right, can, let's play along. I want you to imagine a revival in Loganville. What does it look like? Is he able? Is he more than able according to the power at work? Where? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Before I move on, I I need to restate one thing. And here's why pastors, in our defense, are, are hesitant to start saying things like that. Because people want to take our words and turn them and make them mean something that they don't mean. Hey, if, if you're here and you're struggling with who you are, I don't care if that means you're transgendered. I don't care what that means. I believe in a Savior who's real and powerful and can transform and and listen if if you've been hurt by somebody that's used harsh words in the name of Jesus we owe you an apology cuz that's not what Jesus came to do it's okay to not be okay but it's not okay to stay that way god came to transform us and change us and everyone in this building is still in that process purpose of the church, the power of the church, the priority of the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 22. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. Now, Peter's preaching this message to a group of Israelites, Jewish people. God had just turned their little world upside down. There's this talk about what happened to the body of Christ and what happened to Jesus after he, he, we can't find his body. 45 days later, he, he's resurrected. I mean, three days later, he's resurrected. Four day, 45 days later, he ascends to heaven. And everybody in that town saw it happen. And they don't know, how to, they don't know what to do with that. Israelites are pushing back because it's, 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 it's messing, it's turned their apple cart upside down. And here's what Peter said, who, by the way, two months earlier had denied that he even knew Jesus. But something happened. This power that we talk with filled his heart and his life. The Holy Spirit transformed him. And here's what he said. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death. By nailing him to the cross. But God, isn't that the most powerful two words in all of Scripture? But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Here's why I read that passage. Because the number one priority of the church, before we have our programs, which are important and good and right, but the number one priority of our church is the gospel. The good news that Jesus came he lived, he died, he was buried, and he rose again, and he's still quite alive today to change lives. That is the good news, the message. The church exists to tell a story that Jesus is alive. The gospel. Why are we here? The gospel. The good news of Jesus. We're here for God's glory. The gospel and God's glory. We call that worship. That's when we return the love that God has poured on us back to Him. And, and, and I just want to share something with you. I'm going to... When you, when you come in this room and, and the lights go down and, and the music comes up, you've got a choice to make. Now, I don't want in any way to make you think that worship is just what we do before I come up here and preach. Worship ought to be a lifestyle, by the way. But we set aside this time every Sunday to return to God the love that He's shown to us. And I just want to challenge you. 
Because I know, I get it. You come in, you're tired, you had a long week, you just want to come in, chill out a little bit. And Here's what I would encourage you to do. Don't discount that time. Find a way to return that love that God's shown you. That, that might be just an act of surrender, like lifting your hands. It may be an act of surrender, like bowing your head and just whispering a prayer, God, I need you this morning. It may be just acknowledging Him for who He is. God, I believe in who You are. I believe You're the God of the universe. And can I tell you, if you'll start doing that, see, that's, that's really the priority, a priority of our church, is to return the love that God's shown to us back to Him and to give Him glory. We call it worship. It's a big deal, by the way. I don't want you to leave here talking about a song. I don't want you to leave here talking about a sermon. I want you to leave here talking about a Savior. And here's how that happens. is when we collectively turn our hearts toward Jesus. He said, if I'd be lifted up, I'd draw all men unto myself. So the gospel is a priority. God's glory is a priority. I want you to listen. People are priority. Listen, listen carefully. Before I get too warm and fuzzy, I'm going to make you mad just one more time. First of all, I, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you've chosen to worship with us this morning. I'm glad those of you that are here all the time, I'm glad that you're part and you're plugged in and you're connected. But this church, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about a personality. We're returning the love of God. But one of the greatest ways we bring God glory is by loving what he loves. And let me tell you what he loves. He loves people. He loves you. He loves me. That's why on June 11th, there's going to be people standing in line to get clothes because they know they can come here. And here's what will happen. And you ought to come. You ought to volunteer. You ought to show up and watch it. Because here's what you'd see if you showed up on, on, Jan, on June 11th. Here, you'd see people standing in line to get stuff that you threw away. Because people are important. Because people matter. The one outreach in Brian and Tanya are two-thirds of the way across this country. Why are we still sending them money? Why are we still showing you guys these videos? Why are we, you know why? Because Jesus said, if you, if you do it to the least of these, it's like you've done it unto me. They matter. People matter. What if, just what if, because we gave somebody a bottle of shampoo, or we gave somebody a shirt that you didn't want to begin with, God opened the door for us to share the story. That's why we're here. That's what the church is all about. Because people matter. You matter. Our ushers are going to serve us communion here momentarily. Here's how I know you matter. Here's how I'm completely convinced that you matter to God. Because 2,000 years ago, He sent His Son. And He lived and He suffered and He bled and He died and He did it just for you. That is what the church is all about. Now, we'll do a lot of other stuff. We'll sing a lot of songs and we'll preach a lot of sermons and we'll do all we can to support you and to lift you up and to do all. 
the reason this church exists is because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came. I'm going to read you a passage of scripture before these guys get ready to serve you. Actually, gentlemen, go ahead and serve, and then we'll read the scripture. So while they're serving, let's just, let's just uh, have a time of quiet worship. Maybe you're here, and this might be the first time you've, you've partaken of communion. Let me kind of tell you what it's all about. There's nothing magic in this cracker you're going to get. There's nothing, there's nothing supernatural in the, in the grape juice. It's simply a way for us to remember. That little cracker represents the broken body of Jesus. And when we eat that cracker, it tells us, it reminds us of what happened to Christ, how he suffered and and how he died and how his body was broken for your healing and for mine. That little cup of juice represents the blood that was spilled for you and for me. And here's what I need you to understand and I need you to... I've said this hundreds of times in the last 20 years, but I believe this with everything in me. If you'd have been the only one that needed a Savior, if you'd have been the only one that needed Jesus to come, forgive your sin, he'd have done it just like he did. Thank you, brother. Thank you, John. So if you're here and maybe you're unsure about where you stand with Jesus, here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you want to make sure before you take this communion that that everything's right between you and God, I'm I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me. And if you'll pray this prayer and believe it in your heart, then we believe a transaction takes place where God takes all that's wrong and makes it right, where God makes you a new creature. Some people call it being born again. And it's where we ask God to forgive us of our sin and we acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Messiah. So bow your heads with me all across this room. If you're here today and you want to receive Christ before we receive this communion, you want to receive Christ as your Savior and the forgiveness of your sins, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I believe in your Son, Jesus. I believe He died and rose again from the dead and that He lives in heaven with you at your right hand. God, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me. Make me a new creature. I will serve you for the rest of my life. I want others to come to know you because of the work that you've done in me. In Jesus' name, amen. You can take the bread. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it, then he broke it into pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Take and eat. Symbolically, we use a bread that has no salt, it has no leaven, it makes it bitter. Now, here's what the reminder is that what took place on the cross of Christ was brutal and bitter and harsh, and He did it for you, He did it for me. Father, thank you for your Son Jesus and His broken body. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, 
This cup is the agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Thank you, Jesus. Now will you join me just in a moment of worship? Father, we thank you for the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. Thank you that you've adopted us into your body. Thank you for making us your hands and feet and voice and arms, legs, ears. And we're here on this planet as long as we're here to bring you glory, to share the gospel with a world that so desperately needs it. To love the people that you've sent our way. Hey, if you're here today, before we end this service, I just want to pray for you. If you're here and you say, Dwayne, man, I, I want... I want God to use me. I want to be the church. I want to be his hands. I want to be his feet. I want to be his voice. If that's you, and, and you just declare that with me, I just want you to put your hand in the air because so I, I want to pray for you this morning. You're here and you want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your world. You want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community, in your community, in your house. Father, would you raise up men and women and teenagers and children to be the body of Christ. We want to serve you. Would you bring yourself glory through us? God, and we pray for revival in our country. We pray for revival in our community. We pray for revival in our church. God, that you do a great work as only you can. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, y'all, to give the Lord praise for what he's doing in our church today. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much. I'm so thankful that you're here. We're going to continue our worship uh, and receive our tithes and offerings. So I want to encourage you to do a couple things. Um, if you're here, be obedient uh, with your tithes and with your offerings. We've, we've done all we can do to try to make it convenient for you. If you'll scan that code with your smartphone at the bottom of your bulletin, it'll take you directly to our online giving site, and you can give there. Um, you, can, you can go to our website itself, and you can, you can give there. And, and we just want to make sure that uh, you have every opportunity to be able to give. God bless you. Our ushers are going to serve you. We're going to um, bless our offer once it reaches the front.